Welcome to the Shadow Shaman. Today we have Justin Tang, who is going to talk with us about religious trauma. Hello, everyone, to the Shadow Shaman. I have Justin Tang with us today. I'm very excited to have him on. Justin, you want to tell us a little bit about what you do for the audience? Sure, and I'm I'm really excited to be on. Thank you so much. So I specialize in religious trauma. So my help statement is I help people that have deconstructed Christianity or really any kind of, I would say, toxic religion, and they're still dealing with guilt, shame, or the fear of hell, or in particular uh, branches of evangelicalism, you know, rapture anxiety. And so there's a lot of uh, religious trauma that goes on. And so that's that's what I specialize in. Uh, but I like to think of myself as and this is not original, by the way, I like to think of myself as a fellow traveler on this journey. You know, I don't, um, I don't really like, for me personally, I don't really like the word mentor or anything. I'm like, no, I'm just a companion or a traveler. And I'm just here to uh, share anything that's worked for me or for people that have also traveled on the same journey as I have and see if I can be of, of value, of help, um, create a safe space. So that's what I do. That's such a powerful area. As, as someone who's been through religious trauma, that was probably the biggest hurdle of my life. Like worse than any other wound trauma I had was that one, because you, you get stuck in this place of, um, you don't want to digest information that's anti-God, even if part of it makes sense. And so that, there, at that time, I didn't know anyone to turn to to help me through that. I had to like figure it out. But um, I found out there is such a thing as like religious OCD, like that can really become mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. And a lot of people suffer from it. Uh, what what caused you or what led you to do this particular area? Yeah, great question. Well, so my my background is in evangelical Christianity. And I'm, I'm in the South, so I'm in Dallas, Texas, and in Dallas, you know, and in Texas, really, it's just, it is, we love guns, we love steak, and we love Jesus. So, like, literally, this is not an exaggeration. If I go out, you know, there's like three churches on every corner. It's very, very common, right? Very conservative here. So, I grew up in this environment. And so, really, the, the reason why I gravitated towards this was that in doing my own work and in deconstructing Christianity, which I love, which I really love the Bible, I love Jesus, and I loved all of that, but recognizing that, oh my gosh, there's some really toxic beliefs. I think there's things in the culture that is toxic, and um, I've experienced my own religious trauma. So, and I know this is a burgeoning field of study, and like, there are people that have experienced way worse trauma than I have, right? And it, it is a need out there. And so um, really because religion has been such a big part of my life is the reason why I've been drawn to this work. It's amazing because yeah. uh, so many people from religious backgrounds end up going through some type of awakening. Mm -hmm. um, and then they don't know what to do with that because sometimes that awakening is so in op seemingly in opposition to everything they've been programmed. So now they're trying to like still use those filters. And there's, there is, there's just so much. Um, 
So first, I just want to say thank you for showing up and doing this work because this particular area, um, I feel like is so important. And I'll tell you real short, and then I'm going to ask you some questions. My father had an awakening and he was deep in the Christian faith and he ended up committing suicide because he couldn't break through. Like he kept going to the pastor and was like, I need help. Like all this stuff's happening. And I keep reading my Bible and I don't know how it all fits. And like, he couldn't ground the awakening experience. And at the time the church didn't really know how to help other than always referencing back to the Bible. Right. So th there's been a lack of support or people who even people who would probably love to support they knew how um, to those who are trying to awaken or overcome religious trauma um but still you know want to hold on to something about their their childhood roots or you know what i mean or the concept of god and, and all of that so powerful work thank you for doing it um, yes, absolutely and I, I will say that you know more and more people are um I guess for lack of a better word, awakening or recognizing, I would say, recognizing that there is such thing as religious trauma. And so like now therapists are being trained, you know, coaches are being trained. There's now, you know, funding to get like a, like an actual, you know, empirical study done on religious trauma. So like this, the news of this is growing so we can address it much better. That's great. I love that. I have a question. What um, we had talked about because you also work with people around shame and, and being able to accept themselves. Cause there's a lot of religious background where we're taught not to accept many things about ourselves. Like it's, we have to constantly leak, put it on the altar and we got to pray our way through it. And we got to, and there's yeah. this pressure. And if you still have one of these quote, shameful places or sins, then you're like the black sheep in the congregation, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it creates a pressure of, I either have to fix it or I have to pretend that it's fixed. So nobody knows that. I'm, so how does one accept something about themselves if they don't actually like it or feel like it's okay to have it? Yeah, that's, that's a great, great question. So I think it would depend on like what that thing is. So sometimes we don't have to immediately accept it. In fact, sometimes the best thing we can do is to accept that we don't accept. Ooh. And that sounds kind of interesting, right? You're like, it's like, okay, I'm acknowledging that, okay, I don't like this part about myself. And even in that, and like just admitting that, that can be powerful. That might be a good first step. I would say the second thing is, again, depending on what it is, um, we want to understand what this part of us, this behavior or this thinking pattern is actually trying to do. Because our, our unconscious mind, like our body, it has a certain wisdom to it. Although sometimes it can act like a child <laughs> because there's a lot of like different children in us and I can expound on that later. But um, every part is, it's trying to do something. Like our bodies, our unconscious minds are designed to help us survive in some way. So if we've gotten hurt somewhere along the way in a childhood, if there's been trauma, then um, we will develop some kind of ego defense, something to help us survive. Now, afterwards, you know, as we become adults, maybe this behavior pattern or this thinking pattern kind of, it's outdated. It doesn't actually work any longer or it's, it's become dysfunctional. It's affecting other areas of our life. 
So at that point, then we want to get to that particular part of us, understand what it's trying to do. Thank you so much for, for trying to protect me in some way. Um, hey, by the way, this is outdated, but I, like, I love and accept you. Let's have a conversation. Right. And so um, that I think is really the essence of the work that I do. And yeah, I'll just probably just end it there. I think that was a great answer. I like the first step you put out there. I never considered sitting with being able to just say, well, actually, I don't want to accept this. Instead, for yeah. me, it was like, no, you, you've got to figure out how to accept it. It was like the pressure to accept it. And that in itself was so liberate, liberating to hear you say that. It's like, wait, I, I can first go through the fact that I don't want to accept it. Yes. And so like everything that I'm saying here is my conclusion, by the way, it's just my opinion. Um, also, I just want to say like, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional. So this isn't mental health, you know, advice or not replacement for any kind of like counseling or anything. So I just want to say that, but um, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? I totally forgot. Powerful, like you say, oh, yes. it never even occurred to me that I can take that step. Yes, yes. And so, um, yeah, I wanna say like everything that I'm saying is just my conclusion. And sometimes I think we create rules out of like really amazing things, like a concept like acceptance, right? Right. A concept of uh, a shadow work or, or um, you know, whatever I do even, right? Unconscious mind, conscious mind. But these are all just kind of models that are useful to a degree. But even the models that I love, that I work with, um, hey, I'm biased. Maybe by like attaching to one model, I've actually limited myself, right? And so even with like acceptance, it's like, oh, we don't have to accept. It's okay. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I have another question falling on that. What do you think could be the quote? I don't want to know if the word damage is the right word, but how could it? be hurting me or somebody for us to not accept something about ourselves. Sure. Yeah. So let me use, um, let me use a personal example and then I'll use a more general example. Okay. So I, as a, a good Christian, as an evangelical, I loved defending the faith. And so there's a branch of a, a, a theology called apologetics. And that simply means um, to give a rational defense. So <clears throat> I didn't realize exactly what I was, what was going on in my unconscious, or at least like not fully, right? As we're all growing. Um, and so I studied apologetics and philosophy and theology. And what I was doing was a kind of overcompensating, right? And I was trying to intellectualize everything because that, mean, that means I don't have to feel what's going on really. That's a defense. And so what also ended up happening was I felt very self-righteous. I felt like I know it all. <laughs> I have the right Sunday school answers. And this gave me a sense of superiority, of pride. Um, I couldn't relate to people, right? Um, even within the church and outside of the church. And so um, I was either intentionally or, or unintentionally pushing people away. We're hurting them, right? With my self-righteousness or pride. So that's like a, maybe like a personal example. Um, a more general example. 
uh, for, so let's say somebody is not accepting, maybe they're homosexual, but they've been taught that this is wrong or they've been shamed in some way. And so they reject this part of themselves, they repress it. And oftentimes what can happen is now we've locked this part away, but now I'm seeing other people, you know, other homosexual people. Well, because I hate that part of myself that, you know, I'm homosexual, perhaps now I'm being an outspoken homophobe, being outspoken and actually speaking out against homosexuality. When in, when in reality, um, I haven't actually looked at that part of me, right, and accepted it. And so now you're actually like, um, it, the right word is not projection, it's um, displacing, displacing this, this hate onto other people. So yeah, like that's just another example of like how we can, we can uh, like that affect other people. I C.S. Lewis wrote a book about Christian apologetics. I yes. love I love C.S. Lewis. <laughs> um, no, I think C.S. Lewis was a great writer for sure. He was a great writer. He wrote another book um, that was like like gosh, what is it called? The Screw Tape Letters, and it was about the perspective of if you were like quote the demon. Um, that was trying to get into the Christian's head, but some of the, some of the arguments, some of the things he brought up was actually really, there were some gold nuggets there that was powerful. And I was like, wait a minute, like, um, even if you take the demon, the character out and put it, the mind, it was still some powerful stuff. But, um, I related to you in the sense that, um, I did mission work when I was younger, because I was really encouraged. So I took mm -hmm. my Bible to school and I was very, um, very similar quoted scripture had answers um went on mission trips out of not knowing any better like that's just you know and i was very adamant like but 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 you're gonna go to hell if you don't do this and, da, 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 da. Right. and not knowing that that because it was so encouraged you know and then um the church also really encouraged like oh if it's an r-rated movie you should get up and say you can't watch it walk out you can't hang out with friends like that mm -hmm. um and so it did create a complex a inner complexity because I had, I did have such a curiosity for this stuff. So it's like, you know, um, so I totally relate to that, by the way. Uh, what is, um, what are signs that someone is overcompensating or undercompensating for something that they're not accepting? And maybe they're not aware that they're not accepting this part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go back to my personal example. Oh, I think yeah. that's, that's good. Um, so one of, and I'll just, just be vulnerable here. Um, one of my deepest fears is being dumb. And that probably comes from, you know, my brother was just very smart, very well-read and um, didn't like people who were dumb. <laughs> and I felt like I was dumb, like, oh God, I'm so dumb compared to this guy. Um, and so that has probably been a very uh, big and unconscious driver to read all this stuff to like even now like I don't want to be dumb on this podcast like I do not want to be dumb, right like I want to know I want to say all the right answers here um so that's like one thing right like I, I would like try to read all these books and uh, study theology and philosophy and things like that and part of it was um hey if I do these things if I intellectualize it I don't have to feel that's part of it the other part was I really did not want to be dumb the other part is, hey, I, I actually had a genuine interest in these things, but there was that unconscious driver to over to overcompensate because I felt like, oh, I'm dumb. I need to study these things, right? So that's just something for me to be aware about and like just stop and do some self inquiry. 
Um, so another thing about overcompensating, let me, um, any type of control is gonna be overcompensating. So, um, oh, um, actually here's another example that comes to mind. Uh, apparently there's something called Napoleon's complex. I never heard of this, but apparently Napoleon was a very short guy. I'm short by the way. Also. <laughs> so for example, if I felt, you know, shamed about being short and I felt weak, we might overcompensate by going to the gym and being obsessed with going to the gym and doing martial arts or, um, learning, I don't know how to shoot people or something like that. Um, I think the Body Keeps the Score, that book by Bess Bessel von Kolk. I can't remember his name. <laughs> no, I'll write that title down. I haven't heard of it. But, uh, but in his book, the, the Body Keeps the Score, he talks about a really tragic event. Right? So this actually deals with the religious trauma, ironically enough, as I think about this. It's this person as a child was molested by a priest and locked that part away, right? just as, as we do as, as children, like there's ego defenses for a reason. It's trying to protect us from something. But as time went on, going into college, becoming an adult, this person became like Jack. Like I think it was like a football player or something like that, or, or something like a gym rat. By any stretch of, you know, like outward appearance, we would probably be very intimidated. Like, oh, this guy has it all together. This guy is jacked. Like he is disciplined. But the original trauma was never addressed. And so inside, still having these PTS, you know, PTSD symptoms every, every once in a while, right? But inside, you know, feeling like he's still this hurt kid because it hasn't been addressed. And so like there is like that overcompensation there. Um, when it comes to like undercompensation, I would say there's any, any kind of escape, um, partying, going to drugs, alcohol, sex, anything like that. That's gonna be a, um, the opposite of control, right? Like a lack of control, trying to escape. I would say that goes in the category of, of undercompensation. Uh, under I have a question. So I run into this a lot with my own family and even clients, potential clients, that they have such an interest in some of the things I've said or expressed and they want help. But it's like they have this um, deep fear, which I relate to because I used to have it hardcore, this fear that, well, maybe this is something that's not godly leading me away. And then, and then they'll keep coming back to me, though, because they'll, they'll push, push it away because um, they're like, but I need to go to the Bible for this answer. And then they'll, they'll come back. And it's like they're scared because it comes back to this fear base of, but what if this is actually something of Satan pulling me away. And then right. they can't seem to break out of that stronghold. Um, mm. Even though sometimes it, there are certain things don't make sense to them anymore. What's your yeah. advice on actually facing some of the fear of being lured away? That seems to be a fear or a fear of displeasing God in some way and there's some punishment. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would definitely want to ask some questions and learn more about specifically what are they dealing with. Fair enough. But 
how can you ask the question again how do we yeah like um Gosh, I don't even want, I don't want to use my family member in case they watch because I don't know if that's appropriate if they'd be happy with that. Um, but like, but Susan, we're just gonna call out someone named Susan, okay? Right. Um, is very interested in transcending and healing certain wounds and mind aspects that she has that the church and the Bible don't fully bring her all the way there, the closure right. of doing that. But there's a fear that going outside of the church for that help might actually be something of Satan trying to lure them away from mm. God. Yeah. I think in that example, um, getting some education on there are Christian groups out there who I think do good healing work from a Christian perspective. Now I still disagree with their conclusions and i still feel like there's there's limitations on that but say getting educated like hey look there are christian groups who love jesus who love the bible right and and there are they are doing a type of shadow work they are doing a kind of regression to cause yeah. and a parts work and inner inner child stuff so um starting with that but really i would want to ask like yeah what are you what are you really afraid is going to happen and what are you hoping to get from going to a, you know, a Leslie, listening to the Shadow Shaman podcast <laughs> and, you know, booking a session, like, what are you hoping to get? And are you actually getting that right now? You know, what's right? at stake here? What's really at stake here? It would, would God want you to be stuck in this fear? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, right. there's a, there's a quote, I'm gonna share this book, it's one of my favorite quotes, and it says that I can no more understand the complexities of God and the pancake I made for breakfast understands me. And I always oh. found that so liberating because I, in the church, I was always not defending myself to the church as much as my own personal family that, well, what if God wants to teach me in, in a different way, in, in mysterious ways? Because there was like a Bible verse that talked about how he can work in mysterious ways um, because I was struggling to fit the mold and, and then, and it created shame of, I must be disconnected from that, which created me. It, it forsakes, it forsaken me. It doesn't love me because it made me different and I'm struggling to mm. fit in. So something's wrong with me. And so that became the lie that I told myself. So then when I would go to church, I didn't feel safe in an area that should feel safe because it felt like, oh, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not God's child here, apparently, according to this, this, and that. Yet I was still having all these beautiful experiences um, that in, in the depths of my heart, I'm like, but you are loved by that which created you. Even if you don't understand it, you feel it on some innate level, um, regardless of what's being taught to you. So mm. that was like um, this area in itself, I just, I, I have so many people that might find working with you such a breakthrough um, because I've had a lot of misconceptions that shadow work is some type of witchy woo-woo or spiritual thing. And I, right. I've always said, I, I feel like it's a lot more psychological science than yes. any type of spiritual woo-woo. Yes. And like, as you were talking, it just made me like realize, oh, like, of course, like, 
you know, you, you were able to, to, to frame it in a different way, right? Because the frame is saying, no, this is Satan. But a different frame is like, well, how do we know that? What if it was God? Yeah. What if it was, right? How, what makes us think that it is Satan, right? Especially right. like, you shall know them by their fruits. Yeah. Well, well you're, you're producing such great fruit, such great healing, you know? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So like, yeah. So yeah, um, that's what I want to say. And I have a question. How would you, how would you decipher? I don't know if this is like a fair question, but can, for the audience, what do you notice would be the difference between someone who's struggling with religious trauma and someone who's actually developed like religious OCD? Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I would say that OCD is probably a symptom of trauma, okay. right? There's, there's some kind of magical thinking going on, right? Um, I bet if we were to dig deeper, there's an, an ego state apart, right? That, that, that has that magical thinking that we can have a conversation with and we can love and accept. Um, but yeah, I think OCD is just a symptom. Okay. I'm just wondering, cause like I, I went through a stage where it's like I had to repent multiple times a day because there was a fear that like, what if I sin and I didn't realize I sinned and I forget to repent and then I die and I go to hell. And I'm, I'm, a, mm. I'm a kid, I'm like 10 years old and I'm so scared of upsetting God that I'm repenting multiple times a day out of fear that I, that I sin. And it was like, compulsive it was like it was living in a constant fear as a child and now when I repeat it to my parents they're like that doesn't make any sense it's not even rational but I was a child already under trauma from losing my dad under these psycho breakdown religious awakening stuff the frame of that was already so spiritual and religious so I lose my father and then now while I'm under trauma, I'm developing this religious OCD. And so I explained to my family, when you're under trauma like that, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be rational. Like now I'm like, that, that's the craziest thing. Why would you do that? But at the time it was, that was reality. That was like my boxed in and I suffered. And, um, it, and I think what people struggle with the most is they're suffering and then they don't even know how to vocalize the intensity and extent of that suffering to where sometimes we're surrounded by people who don't actually see the emergency. I'm going to say it that way, the red flags of how big the situation is. Mm -hmm. So how, what would, in your opinion, and I know that you're, you said earlier, this is not to take the place of um, like actual medical or uh, therapy help but what as a parent what is a sign that our children could be suffering from some type of religious trauma that is a great question let me just preface it i'm not a parent i have no kids <laughs> okay um yeah that's a good question um if there's You know, I might actually have to defer to you on this one because I, I'm not a parent and I don't work with, with kids. So I probably am not going to say the right answer. 
Unless um, but I my guess is frame it yeah. so that we're mm -hmm. just big children. So like you could make what's some of the signs of your adult oh, okay. that a ch child might mimic that might be easier to say it that way. Yeah, like any kind of um, chronic shame. Okay. Chronic like internalized shame. Like and like this kind of shame is is not healthy, right? It's it's like all pervasive. It is um, it just becomes this particular like a, like an identity. Like like there's just something just horribly wrong with me. Um which leads to like self-loathing, right? Um, self-sabotage, um, feelings of worthlessness. So, or like any kind of like neurotic guilt. Okay. Obsessive guilt. Um, obviously the fear of hell is a, is a big one, right? And I think, yeah, so like not being, being able to connect with other people, having this black and white thinking, which a child does have, right? Because they're a child, but like now it's, you know, going into adulthood is black and white thinking. It's not, it's not actually rational. So I would say like any signs of, because the unconscious mind is not rational. Right. It has, it has a particular logic to it. Right. But it is not rational. And so any kind of like um, childish thinking, irrational thinking um, is most, is, is a sign of trauma. It's a sign of a, a defense. And the problem, I think, when when we try to when we try to reason out of trauma, we try to logic out of trauma, it doesn't work because we're speaking the wrong language. The language of the unconscious mind is metaphor, archetypes, feeling, yeah, right, stories, um, the the language of imagination. Uh, so, like when we do inner child work. Whether or not, you know, the inner child actually exists or is just a metaphor, I have no idea. You know, that's an interesting philosophical discussion. Right. But the point of the matter is like inner child works and it's a metaphor and it is a metaphor as well. Um, and that's like how we're talking to the, the unconscious mind. It's not a logical thing. It's a very right brain type of activity. It's a very relational type of activity too. So yeah, I don't even remember the original, I guess the original question was, um, what are some of the signs? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would mention all, all of those things, um, any type of irrational type kind of thinking, right? I have another question. Uh, how, what would your advice be on, um, there's been a lot of people who quote left the church and then they deal with like a community shame, like, um, where the community is like, oh, this person has fallen, um, they, you know, and they, they suddenly feel isolated because they don't have that community anymore. Um, and sometimes they feel shame around, around that of feeling like, um, they disappointed everybody by going off in this path. And now they feel alone. What would your advice be to someone who might be in that area right now where they, they feel like they're, they haven't found a new tribe, but they've moved away from the church and, but they're still here and alone. Right. Right. Well, first of all, like, I'm, I'm very sorry that like you're going through that and it's, it's normal to feel that way. Like if you've been rejected from a community, yeah, like there's going to be some, some deep pain with that. And um, just know that you're not alone, right? There are people that have been, you know, excommunicated from the church or they've been rejected by their community and they have found uh, like new communities or new tribes. And there are even like 
online communities of people who have uh, experienced religious trauma uh, or they've deconstructed Christianity. And so there's at the very least, hopefully online support with that. Um, so I would say just, just to encourage them, like you're not alone and it does get better and it's okay to feel that way. And in fact, like there's, there's gold in that pain. Um, when, when you get to like heal and recover and like there's, there's new life. So yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I was kind of thinking what came to mind is like, I remember going through that. I remember going through the stage, but it wasn't so much the people. I was okay with that because I was always a loner introvert. But for me, what I found is that religion does give children a set of structure. And so when I broke up with the church, which is, I say it that way, but every now and then I actually go to church just, just to every great once in a while, I'm like, I'm gonna go to church just to re-expose myself and each time I see just how far I came from the girl that was so terrified of like forgetting to repent right and so something about that is comforting every now and then to go in but um one of the things I notice is when you do break up with the church however you want to call it you suddenly realize you're you've let go of a structure that has been part of your like childhood and now suddenly you realize there is no structure and it's freeing and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Um, so that was like, and that was like my whole 20s. I'm 33, but from like 20 to like 27 was nothing but discovery and not having that structure. And it was the most scariest thing I've ever put myself through. And I still wow. pray. I'm still someone who prays because that's like the one consistent comfort because I'd be like, I don't know what's happening here. And I'm reading this philosophy, philosophy book that I was never allowed to read. And I'm listening to Joan Jett and I was never allowed to do that. And then now I'm going to pray because I'm like, this is all new. And there's still part of Leslie that wanted some type of structure because that made her feel safe while I figured out how to rebuild something to work off of. And so probably one of the hardest things I had to learn after that shift was I used to use God as a way to feel safe. Right. Use God and, and the, the teachings of the church to feel safe. So Leslie had to mm -hmm. learn how to be safe again within herself without the religious teachings. And that was a challenge on its own. Yeah. So I yeah. do feel like I encourage anyone out there who who's recently, who's going through some type of religious trauma shame, not only to reach out to somebody, but to, to, you know, I wish looking back, I wish I would have had a mentor or a friend to go through that time of discovery, just because there was times I didn't know if I was going to make it through because that ego kept wanting to default me back to these religious teachings. Like, oh, something bad happened. It's because you've been straying away from God. You're being punished. And I always came back to this punishment cycle, right? And right. there was no way to escape that while I kept feeding my ego it felt like my higher part of me is like this doesn't make sense we're working against it my ego and so it was like oh but this is the way it is and there was internal clash for years for years um so i just i really encourage anybody out there who struggles with that to get to get um a community to reach out to justin reach out to somebody um because that's the only thing i would have quote changed back then is allowing myself to find some type of support. Yes. 
You know, I feel like support and community is powerful, even if it's not in a church setting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And that's like the one thing I think church really gets right is that there's this a community, <laughs> right? And shared values and all of that. You know, I I had to go through um yeah, I, I had I had my own work and and I had a coach and a therapist during that time. And I was just like just processing like so much, so much stuff, uh, so much unconscious things. And um, I really needed that. So yeah, absolutely. Like, don't be afraid to reach out. We got about 15 more minutes. Justin, I want to hear a little bit about Justin when, when he's not working. Oh. Justin outside of work. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm, uh, I'm also trying to discover here. It's like, I love, I love like what we're talking about, right? But yeah, who am I outside of this? That's something like I'm still discovering. I'm I'm getting into stand-up a little bit. Oh, nice. I, I haven't, I've done it for the first time like a couple of weeks ago, but I've just been, um, well, uh, that particular day has been, hasn't been the greatest, uh, <laughs> but I will go again. Um, but yeah, like, I think I'm just very interested in people. I'm very interested in, um, I am interested in comedy. I'm interested in just, I'm still interested in religion, like yeah. heavily, right? Super. So um, I guess like, honestly, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of boring. So like, I still read stuff on like the Bible and spirituality and things like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like I was more interesting back in the day. <laughs> right now I'm just like because no. I used to play guitar I used to play table tennis I used to do martial arts and I feel like I just quit all that really there was a time and place I, I might pick it up again you know I still love music I still love uh the guitar I just haven't like played it you know no you sound yeah. exciting I read a lot yeah. I, yeah, I still yeah. have a bible in my home too um because I that was still a huge part of my life and now where I'm at in my life, I can go back and read the Bible and it's like multidimensional now to me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I know what this is saying now from where I'm at. And I'm like, oh, this ancient text also supports. And so I even look at the Bible differently um, yeah. than I used to. So I think that's just a comfort thing. But I'm like you, I, I read a lot. I don't feel like I'm as interesting as I was same <laughs> really <laughs> so interesting like I feel like you're interesting yeah. um and and it's so and I'm not trying to like trauma bond here in some way but you you mentioned um the fear of being dumb I have this I have the same fear of being intellectually not able to understand something it's not even that I have okay, to be right it's like I have to understand it somehow yeah. and if yeah. I feel like I don't I and and that I think is from everybody else seemingly having all the answers when I was a kid and they seem so okay with everything and so understanding and I'm I'm over here like this doesn't work and this doesn't make sense so then I thought oh I'm I'm not able to grasp it and then now I'm like no you were just like awakening at a very young age and realizing there was more for you than than that but um we share a lot of that stuff in common so <laughs> yes you know, um, the Bible says that there's no temptation that has seized us except that which is common to man, something like that. And I now reinterpret that, right? Like, it's like, yeah, like we're all human and we deal with similar problems. It's called, yeah, it's called being human. Right? Like, <laughs> right? like we all have the, the same, 
generally speaking, they have the same type of fears and, and insecurities and all these different things. So yeah, yeah. One more question. Sure. When most of your clients, what is it that they typically are looking for? What's one of the things they seem to, to desire the most? Yeah, so really it's like self-acceptance, which is so fascinating because it's like, that's what I want as well. And I think that's what mainly what everyone wants. I think it's it's a self-acceptance. Obviously, you know, the fear of hell is big. And if that's, you know, affecting your life, that's crippling you to have that kind of peace, right? To have a, a nice normal life. But to, I think really um, to go off on the self-acceptance thing, it's really discovering and exploring, you know, who they really are. It just sounds like okay with it. <laughs> yeah yeah it's the liberating part of that um and and yeah and, and being being willing to be that trailblazer um and because it takes courage I think it takes courage to do that especially if you're not if you're not supported by family or friends or you don't have somebody cheering you on that path it takes courage right. um to do that but it's rewarding it's liberating it is and I'm, I'm so glad like that you have this podcast and this has been, it really has been a source of wisdom, inspiration. And like, I will continue to, to listen to the shadow shaman podcast. <laughs> and, and I'm really grateful for like the, the shadow work community. Yeah. And that's been big. It's been Thank good. you. How can people find you? Yeah, I am fairly active on Facebook. Um, I think my Facebook, I'm gonna try, I had to double check my Facebook handle now. I think it's justin.trance.tang. Um, so if you can reach me on Facebook, that's good. Uh, my website is www.redeemyourreality.com. And so from there, if you want, you can book a discovery call with me. Um, those are probably the best ways. I can also give you the email, um, redeemyourreality at gmail.com. That's also another way to reach me but like the best way is probably facebook i definitely want to recommend you to people because not well for two things not only did i see that you have a ton of awesome feedback like people love you <laughs> i was reading the test oh great i was great, like oh yeah. like justin's got it going he's got a, a good <laughs> set he's got the, yeah. that good presence of love and acceptance people are very happy with the results i saw that but two i think that if you've dealt with religious trauma you are going to feel so much more safer and comfortable um coming to someone who has a background that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in christianity to relate to you versus going to a counselor or a mentor or a teacher or a, someone to help them who's got no background because then they, they don't actually understand the type of fears and enough about the religion to actually be a source of help. So what I like is that you have a background in this area. It makes you fit for this area to help people. Um, so I definitely, I already have people in mind. I'm like, I got to connect them to Justin because they, oh, great. <laughs> it's like when, when people are too close to you, like to me, they're just like, ah, oh, it's Leslie, you know, like it's not the same weight, but when it comes from someone else, it's suddenly like they feel safer about it. Cause I've already explored myself way out there that sometimes people get nervous. <laughs> They're like, I don't know what she's into right now. So like, um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on here, Justin. Thank you, Leslie. This was, this is really great. Thank you.
All right, guys, thank you for joining the Shadow Shaman. I will be posting this with links uh, so you can get a hold of Justin. All right.